0: It's time for another episode of the Core Extra Podcast. Finally, another episode of the Core Extra Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is practicing They're social distancing and wearing your gloves and your mask and your hand sanitizer and, of course, washing with soap and water frequently, as they they suggest. It's been kind of hard for Steve and I to uh, get together through all of this uh, shutting down and quarantining. It's even been hard for us to do episodes separately, but we're back now. We thought uh, we've had the studio completely sanitized. And I mean completely. They must have gone over it two or three times. So we have all of our protocols in place. Um, the guys in the booth are in, you don't know the setup of the studio, but they are even further away than they used to be. <laughs> so I'm here by myself. Steve's on assignment. He's uh, putting a lot of things together. We're going to try to get some uh, summer shows together for everybody. And we're going we're gonna to have a pretty busy summer. So, speaking of summer, I should jump right in and tell you guys, we are, uh, this summer, starting today, we are uh, going to have a release schedule. And we're going to have a new episode that comes out every Sunday. And then we'll do either a bonus episode either on Wednesday or Thursday. I'm not sure yet. We're going to have to look around at studio time, but um I think we can get it get it on Thursday. That way that way we um get some um consistency here since we had such a big break. I think the last live episode I did was when I incorrectly predicted Deontay Wilder beating uh the Gypsy King, right? <laughs> and uh, the Gypsy King took it to him, didn't he? Um like I said on Twitter I think now you see why I don't pick fights for a living, right? Or even bet on fights for a living. But um <laughs> but everybody had Wilder in that fight if I remember right. So uh that was that was the last time. I think that was in February where I did that. And when everything uh kind of broke out, I was still in the Dominican Republic. And um oh, I'm sorry. Not the Dominican Republic, just Dominican Republic. I've been corrected by that, by my friends in the DR. Um, Look, I did it again, in the DR. It should just be in DR. You know, like they always tell me, you don't say the Puerto Rico or the Cuba or the London. You just say London, Puerto Rico, Cuba. So you say Dominican Republic. Okay, so anyway, we were in Dominican Republic and had to get out of there man i mean it wasn't it wasn't like argo where where we barely escaped but um, we had to leave about 10 or 15 days earlier than planned uh delta came through with some flights uh, of course we had the flight insurance so the cancellation was okay and then when we got back here basically all hell broke loose as far as corn and quarant- quarantining and and uh shutting things down so it's been kind of hard to uh in the studio or even do things on the street but i think we are we have our new system up and running and uh, like i say we're going to have some consistency so with that uh today you know we've been talking about uh paranormal show for for a year and a half um, and we've always had trouble putting it together we want to do it a halloween maybe this halloween we'll have a bigger one but today i wanted to give you guys a um A uh, paranormal experience. I don't know if you want to call it a paranormal experience. But an experience I had that was kind of weird. And it was kind of strange. I thought something was going to happen based on where I was. um, And something did happen. Matter of fact, a couple things happened. But I'm going to give you this one today. But before I do that. Before I do that. I want to tell you guys about a site that I found. And it's a pretty cool site. I mean, they're not a sponsor or anything. They're not paying me to do this. I just think it's a pretty cool site. It's called Letterboxed, And it's letter, L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D.com. No E. Letterboxd.com. And what you can do on Letterboxd is you can track your films that you watch. You can save for the ones you want to see. Tell your friends what's good. It's kind of like a social network for for film lovers, right? You can put together lists. Uh, you can do all kinds of things, uh, tell people what you've watched. And uh, I just think it's pretty cool. And, of course, if you go to Letterboxd, L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D dot com, and you can make a profile there. I think you can move around a little bit without a profile. But, of course, the first thing you want to do when you get there is look up the Core Extra podcast. Uh, we have our we have our own little Letterboxd account, and I've put up a couple lists already just to kind of test it out. We, we haven't gone full swing with this yet. But I think I have a list of guilty pleasures and, and of course, a deja vu. Not deja vu, deja vu. Some films that I think are, when you're watching them, you are, it's like you've already seen them. And i talked about that a couple of times. But go check out Letterboxd. It's kind of fun. And I think there's a pay option. I don't remember what that gets you. I always try to see what I can get out of the... the, the the no cost uh version before i move on to the pay version and um but they don't bombard you with ads like most places i just think you get a little more freedom to move around but at any rate check it out letterbox.com again this is not a uh sponsor thing this is just um i think it's pretty cool so i wanted to tell you guys about it okay so let's get to it i want to tell you my paranormal i keep saying paranormal experience or strange experience and um, i'm gonna lay it out there before i lay it out i'm gonna tell you that this is absolutely true this is no embellishment this is not because i saw it on tv and decided to tell you about it this actually happened to me obviously it wasn't anything too dangerous unless i wouldn't be here i would have told you about it already. right or it would have been on the news already right um so here's the deal so here's what happened to me in london england right outside of london england at stonehenge okay 2016 we're in london england right so of course if i go to london england I am going to want to go to Stonehenge because I've been wanting to go to Stonehenge since I was a little kid. I tried to remember the first time I've heard about Stone Stonehenge and I really can't. So, which means I must've heard about it early on. Right? So I, as soon as we booked the England a London trip, said, so we got to go to Stonehenge because what we did in 2016, my wife and I, we went over to Europe. We stayed in London for a month and Paris for a month. And traveled around each, traveled around from each one of those places. Um, we went to Amsterdam, Belgium, and I had a Belgian waffle in Belgium. How about that? And um, went to Amsterdam and other places. We'll tell you about that on on, on another podcast. But bottom line, we're in London, staying in an Airbnb. We sit there one night, put together a trip. Now, this trip to Stonehenge is going to be from London to Stonehenge, and then back to Bath, England, where they have the bath houses, oddly enough. Uh, (laughs) The Bath, England, and then back. So this is an all-day trip. I'm super pumped about it. Okay, so the night before, I get out my trusty 35mm, which has been on all seven continents with me, my Nikon. I get that out, get the battery charged up. I also charge up my, my cell phone. At the time, I think I had an iPhone six i think it was so i want to take some selfies and you know i want to take some impromptu pictures some up close shots and that and that's what i use my i use my phone for that and then i use the nikon for longer stuff i think i had a 100 millimeter lens on it or whatever so got them all charged up everything's 100 get on the bus it's about 20 of us on the bus i'm estimating uh, but it's a big full-size two of us okay so First thing that happens is we take off, and it's about a two-hour drive. So the tour guide, very nice lady, she's, she's, as they say there, chatting us up and uh, telling us what we're going to do. It's the usual, you know, telling us, here's what we're going to do, so forth and so on. So it's about a two-hour ride, and she talks for about an hour. And then she says, I'm going to give you guys an hour to wind down. Wind down, relax, take some pictures out the window, even though it's not that picturesque. And I didn't want to take any pictures with my phone because I want to save the batteries for Stonehenge, right? So, first thing that happens that's weird for me is we're driving. Now, she's off the microphone, the tour guide. She's done. She says, I'm not going to get back on the mic until we're like 10 minutes away from Stonehenge. It's okay. She gets off the mic. Everything's quiet. Within five minutes, this is no exaggeration. Everybody on the bus is asleep, except me and the bus driver. We're the only two people awake. The tour guide is awake, is asleep. Every passenger. So I, it's one of these double-decker bus. I forgot to tell you. It's like a double-decker tour bus. So I go upstairs when everybody downstairs is asleep, because I'm downstairs. My wife and I are downstairs. I go upstairs. Everybody up there is asleep. Knocked out. So, of course, now I'm thinking, you know, this is like the bat Cave, right? When Batman takes you to the bat Cave, he sprays you with the bat gas, and you wake up and you're there. Uh, but not me. I'm not going to sleep, you know, because I try not to go to sleep on public transportation because I'm I've watched too many movies. Right. So I'm always thinking something's going to break out. So I don't want to be that one that wakes up and, you know, we're on a different planet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want to be there for the whole journey. Right. Okay, so anyway, everybody's sleep, And I don't mean dozing, knocked out, like they've been gassed or something, right? Which, of course, is what I was figuring, you know. So anyway, right before we get there, I guess the tour guide must have an alarm or something because she woke up, because I could see her from where I am. She pops up 15 minutes out and says, okay, we got about 10 minutes left. Okay, so everybody wakes up. We get out to Stonehenge. Now we're pulling in. Well, when you go to Stonehenge, you don't go right up to the Stones. You stop at a very large building, um, very large area with big parking lots, and there's a gift shop there. Of course, you can go to the bathroom, or as they say over there, the loo. You can go to the bathroom and all that. And I think they sold some drinks there. I can't remember that part, but... But basically, it's a gift shop, and you know how that is. And from there, you get on a shuttle bus that takes you about 10 minutes to ride up to Stonehenge. So, it's really cold outside. It's freezing cold. right? So, we all stand in line. We're freezing and taking pictures all around. Everything's good. No problem. And we get on the shuttle bus. Now, as we're pulling up to the Stonehenge area... You can see the stones in the distance on your right. And on your left, you can see a road branching off, uh, going the opposite way of the stones. And you look on that road. I thought this was interesting. There's a line of cars there where people come every day just in case something happens at Stonehenge. Now, I was figuring if something's going to happen at Stonehenge, it's going to happen the day that I'm there. But but these people don't take that chance. They line up every day, and I mean they're having picnics. Uh, they have tents up the whole nine yards. Okay, so we're pulling up and we're seeing that, and uh, it's very nice. It's out. It is like out in a field. Um, if you know anything about Stonehenge, you know it's um, it's uh, probably was bigger at one point than it is now. But at any rate, we pull up to it. First thing you notice is, the very first thing you notice when you pull up Stonehenge is it's smaller than you would think. Um, Now, it's still big. Don't get me wrong. It's a big area, but I thought it was like a huge area, but it wasn't. But it it was much smaller. Um, Still still big, but smaller than I thought. Uh, Side note, that happened to me at the Mona Lisa, too, but we'll get to that on another show. So... The other thing you notice is it's roped off. You can't go and touch it, which I understand. Uh, but you got a lot closer than I thought they would let you get closer. You were not in arms' length, but you were you were pretty close to it. And uh, you'll see some pictures. I'll put some pictures up uh, on the um, on the uh, Twitter and the Twitter. See, I said that like I was ninety on the Twitter that these kids use. Um but I'll put that on Twitter and, and, and social media so you guys can see it if you haven't seen it. Hopefully some of you guys have been there. So anyway, we're walking around, I'm taking pictures with the 35 millimeter, and I get my phone out. Now here it comes. I get my phone out, turn it on, uh you know, open up the phone because I want to take some pictures with my phone, some some candid casual pictures up close. My phone is completely dead. You know that, you know that graphic that comes up where it's the battery and it says you've got to plug it in because it's, and I go, I'm thinking, oh man, you got to be kidding me. I charged this thing. It was a hundred percent this morning. Didn't take any pictures on the way to Stonehenge. None with my phone, only my 35 millimeter. I think I told you. Uh, Didn't take any pictures because I want to, you know, I'm going, oh man, this is kind of a drag. So my wife's phone is working though. So we, we use hers. Now this was not the end of the world because like I said, I had a 35 millimeter, but I was really bummed out about it because I'm like, oh man, you gotta be kidding me, right? Phone's dead. I try to turn it on again, dead, completely dead. So we make our way around Stonehenge. I get some great shots of Stonehenge. Everything's fine. I mean, that the phone deal was not a big deal, really, uh, at the time. At that time, while I was standing there. And um, so our time is up. They give, you a, they give you a certain amount of time. And our time is up. So shuttle bus comes. You're back on the shuttle bus. Ten-minute ride back to the um, gift shop. So now... I'm I'm kind of lamenting over the fact that it was my phone was dead. So I pull it out in the gift shop and say, "Oh, I can't believe my phone's dead." Turn it on. Phone comes on. 100%. 100%. Phone comes on. I take a couple of pictures. No problem. So the only time my phone died is when it was up at Stonehenge proper. And, you know, they always say there's some kind of pulse up there or now some kind of uh, electrical situation. They always say that. And mine, my, my phone wouldn't work when I was at Stonehenge. Now, I saw other people's phones working. I don't know if anybody else had any kind of problem, but I did. So I'm in a gift shop. Now I'm like, uh oh, something happened. So now, of course, I think. Maybe there's this electrical surge, which would only happen if what? If there was some kind of spacecraft getting ready to land, right? So now I'm looking for that. But no, um, but my phone worked the rest of the day. We went back to Bath, uh, town, uh, Bath, England. We went back there, uh, took a bunch of pictures there, a bunch of videos there. No problem. Now there is one part I skipped when I was standing in line trying to take a photo. Okay. With my uh, phone before we went to the stones. Cause I tried to get my phone out to take a photo and I had pulled it out to get it all straightened up or to get it all ready and turn it on. But I didn't turn it on because I got distracted and I think it was some birds flying and I, put my phone back in my pocket, got the 35 millimeter out. Never turned it on, okay, until we got to the stones. But when I went back and looked at some photos, the bath photos and all that, there was some photo on there from when we were standing in line. And it was that real wavy smeared photo. I'm making a note right now to to make sure that I have put that on social media because honestly, I forgot about that until uh, just now, to be honest. honest. Yeah, Uh, it was some weird photo on there. We looked at it and tried to make heads or tails of it. And I'm thinking I didn't even take any pictures there because I didn't even turn the phone on. But the phone must have turned on by itself. So as Giorgio says, there must be some kind of extraterrestrial event that spurred this. I don't know what it was, but it was a weird thing for me. Um, but I, but I'll get it figured out. So that's my Stonehenge story. If you've never been to Stonehenge and you're into that type of thing, you should go. If you're not into that type of thing and you find yourself in London, why not go anyway? The day trip is not that expensive. I don't remember what it was at this time, but it's not that expensive. And you get to stop in bath and see the bath houses. Bath. Now, let me tell you about those. They take you in. Uh, and I'll tell you the big story, a longer story about that later this summer. But when you get there, it's all these like Roman baths, right? Well, they tell you about this water, and you can't touch the water. You can't, you, they don't even hardly want you to look at it because it's toxic or, or it's something that'll harm you. But at any rate, they do have some water there you can drink. And they're saying how it has all these minerals and vitamins and gonna do this and i drank some of it my wife did too my wife said it wasn't bad so like an idiot i thought i would try it oh it was horrible if it's i mean it may be good for you you know it may maybe maybe that'll cure the virus that's going around uh who knows but wow it was bad i mean it was like drinking uh what kerosene? I don't know what kerosene tastes like. I never tasted it, but if I had to guess what kerosene tastes like, I'd say it tasted like the water at the ba- at bath. <laughs> you know, that'd be my guess. But um, but yeah, it was very impressive. I'll uh, like I said later this summer, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll give you some information about that. But that's my Stonehenge story. What happened to me at Stonehenge? I don't know if it's ever happened to anybody else. I don't know if it happened to anybody else that was on the tour, but that's what happened to me. And let me leave the Stonehenge subject with this. Something else happened there. This is just what happened to me. But something else happened to somebody else. And she's going to be on here in the coming weeks. She's going to tell you what happened to her on Stonehenge. Now, mine was... On a 1 to 10, mine is probably a, I don't know, 4 maybe, 4, 5. Could have been anything. Who knows? Maybe Verizon went crazy right there for me. But hers, something actually disappeared. That's all I'm saying. That's a little teaser. And um, that's coming soon. So I'm going to write a note to remind myself about that. But And I've witnessed this. She witnessed mine. I witnessed hers. So it's all witnessed document as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know? But as you get around, um, I want to take a tour. I want to, I want to do one of them things where you go to like all the haunted places. There's some right here in Ohio, some right here in Cincinnati. I might go to one. One is, um, it's two in Eden park in Cincinnati, E D E and Eden park. There's a couple, um, and one of them involves a uh, a bourbon that I drink. So I'll just leave you that little teaser. I might go up there and do a show from there because um, that's kind of a wild story. Uh, we'll have to get that done. We will have to get that done. What else is going on, man? It's been it's been um, it's been strange with the uh, with the uh, situation that we have. I don't like to mention. I already I think I already did by accident. I really don't like to mention the name of the situation that's going on because I think I think that kind of gives it a certain power, right? That's my wife told me to. You don't have to say it, you know. It kind of gives it a power and it kind of evokes a reaction from people. And I'm not trying to do that. Everybody knows. Everybody knows where we are, what we're doing. Everybody knows the situation we're in. Stuck. People say stuck in the house. For me, it's not really stuck. People say stuck in the house. For me, it's not really, it's not really stuck. I mean, you know, you know, I can get along with air conditioning, heat, internet, Wi-Fi, food delivery, even though I haven't had food delivery. But, you know, as long as the grocery store is open and gas stations open, I can get along okay. But we have been binging a lot. And, um, I do want to give you a binge list. Um... I was already a binger already because the whole, the whole ability to binge has really changed the way that I personally watch TV. Um, For me, um, I've even taken some shows that I really like. Like if there's a network show that I really like, because, because let me back up watching network shows like regular network shows, watching those is really hard to do after you watch a lot of cable uh you know the pacing the way they the way they the way they're written you can almost predict what's going on you know there's never any real uh danger to the lead guy or woman because they're the lead i mean it wasn't like if you watched, uh, well, what could you say? If you watched Gil Grissom and CSI, there was, if Gil Grissom gets trapped under a building, well, you know Gil Grissom is going to make it out because uh, he's a star of the show. And the way the media and stuff is now, uh, if he was going to get erased from the show, then <laughs> they would already tell you that a week before the show came on. You know, um, even though there are shows that, you know, that have pulled it off successfully. um, For me, the biggest example has been um, Walking Dead. I mean, they'll whack you like it's nothing, you know. But again, that's a cable show. Um, But so the network shows, uh, you know, what are you getting? You're getting 45 minutes, 44 minutes in some cases of of show every week, and they leave you on the edge. So anyway, getting back to the point, what I like to do on the network shows is I'll take like two or three of them. Like, don't watch them for two, two three weeks. Tape them, record them, and then binge watch them. Then I can watch straight through. Um, so it's kind of binging, it's kind of changed. You didn't change the way that you watch regular television. Because I love to turn on Netflix or Amazon or whatever you have and see where they dropped in all episodes. Even if they drop two a week. You're like I can watch these two as a package, you know, and 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 in the following week, watch two more. I think I did that with um, making the cut, which is Heidi Klum and and Tim Gunn. They left Project Runway and um, started their own show on Amazon, I think, and they dropped two a week. Yes, I watch Project Runway. I think Project Runway is pretty cool, and making the cut. Tim Gunn's. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's you know not many Godzilla fans like me watch runway shows, but I think I think it's good, so I watch it. But anyway, that's how they do it. And they just did Amazon just did it with another show that I'm going to talk about in a minute. They where they put in I think it was uh, eight episodes, and they dropped seven of them, and then saved the eight one for the following week or later on or two weeks later, or whatever. And uh, so you had to tune back in to watch the finale. And I don't mind doing that, but it's just hard for me to watch one show at a time now because I like to binge. So what do I like to binge? Let me give you an idea. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my top five binge movies or series that I've binge-watched during the quarantine period, now these are my top five. Everybody may have. You don't have to. Some people uh, write us emails or Twitter and say, "Oh, you should have said this, this, this uh, show or that." No, it's my top five. You want to share your top five or top three? Go ahead. That's fine. But this is my top five. All right, so let's do it. Coming in at number five. On Apple TV. It's called Home Before Dark. Home Before Dark. Now, in all honesty, when I saw the title, I thought it was going to be a horror show. (laughs) So, so that's why I watched it. Um, But then as I read about it and watched the first five minutes, I realized I was wrong. But that's okay. All right, what is it about? It's about a reporter. I think it's a nine or ten year old girl. That's what they call cub reporters and um her name is Hildy Liziak or Lysiak. but then that's the oh I'm sorry I'm sorry I got to explain Hilda, the name I just told you Liziak that is the real person that's based off of okay but then the show is Hill is Hildy Lisco and her and her family they move back to her father's hometown and they start uncovering all these uh, unsolved issues. You know, I don't like spoilers, so I don't want to give it give it away. But what makes it so good? Well, what makes it so good is number one, it's based off a true person, a real person. Number two, is really well written, and it's taken from a guy. He wrote. Um, this guy wrote the book, and then William Landay. He's a British guy, and he actually reduced this down, this real story, down to a book and it's really good and she uncovers all of these things uh that's going on in town and she she becomes well known in town and there's some struggles in school and so forth and so on but it's really good it it was it was just light enough and just intense enough to hold your um to hold your attention and like i say the whole time you're thinking oh this is a true story based on a true story so uh it's really good it's called uh home before dark now, at number four, also written by William Landay, uh, he wrote both of these, is Defending Jacob. Defending Jacob, also on Apple TV. And Defending Jacob is about a couple, and the husband is Captain America, but he doesn't have on his Captain America suit. He just plays a regular guy this time, right? Um, husband and wife have a son, uh, 12, 12, 13, maybe younger. And a kid gets killed in um, in his school. A schoolmate of his gets killed. And the son's name is Jacob. And the father is the district attorney or assistant district attorney. Well, anyway, the son becomes a suspect. He becomes a suspect in the, in the child's death. So the whole show is about the mom and dad defending their son and trying to determine if he... Guilty or not guilty, and that's kind of what it hinges on very well done shot and uh out of order a little bit um which keeps you kind of guessing until the very end and you'll guess until the very end um it's really good it was, it was really it was really good it was uh as you can see the home before dark and defending Jacob written by the same guy as um, books written by the same guy, and you can kind of tell they kind of have the same flavor but but uh, definitely a whodunit, Defending Jacob. Definitely a whodunit that's worth worth your time. Um, uh, number three on Amazon Prime, Bosch. B-O-S-C-H, Bosch. Bosch is a LAPD homicide detective. And there's like five or six seasons of that. Uh, start at the beginning and roll through on Bosch. Very well done cop drama. Very well done. Shot in L.A. Um, the story is based in L.A., probably shot there as well. But it kind of has that British type writing, where every single character is developed. Uh, every single character is developed. You could almost make, you could almost make a TV show out of each character. Each character could almost have their own show. That's how well developed they are particularly two people, particularly his partner, uh, Jay Edgar that they call him, who was played by Jamie Hector. Who is Jamie Hector? Jamie Hector was Marlow in The Wire. Alright, so um, good to see him on the screen too. Also, one of Bosch's bosses is Lance Reddick, the main boss. You guys know Lance Reddick. He was in The Wire, John Wick 1 and 2. He's the guy that Ran the Hotel and John Wick, bald guy, has that voice that I can't do. <laughs> but, but so it was kind of like a wire reunion right there, right? But no, it's good. Every every single one, every single character you could, you could develop into their own show. That's how well written and deep it is. It's a little slow in parts. Um, but the good thing about it being slow in parts, the story never stops, you know? And the story and all the stories are very realistic. Um, This isn't a uh, um, Bosch is going to show up and save the day every time. I mean, Bosch has some issues like everybody else, (laughs) you know, but from his daughter to his ex-wife, to the ex-wife's new husband, to all the partners at the police department, the mayor, the chief, all of these people could have their own show. That's how deep it's written. There are no cast off characters in this. Um, Even some of the police, the uniform guys that are usually window dressing in shows like this. All of them are even good. So check it out. Bosch on Prime TV. My number two pick. And this was hard. uh, Picking between number two and number one. But I think my number one is the best. But number two is the one I like the most, which is weird, right? Number two, if you haven't guessed already, is on Netflix, and it's called Money Heist. Money Heist. That's the American version. Uh, it's a Spanish uh, production. It's called La Casa de Papel in in uh, Spanish, but uh, Money Heist here in the U.S. Money Heist is a gang of robbers that uh, break in, in season one anyway, break into the... Spanish mint and they're going to make a robbery of like two or three billion dollars. I have really simplified the plot in that because I don't like spoilers, but I, that is a really simple plot, but it is a very uh, complicated and detailed um, TV show. It is really good. Uh, It's even called a worldwide phenomenon on, on, on Netflix. They have, a, um, they have a little expose that's called Money Heist, the Phenomenon. Uh, so it's really been picked up around the world and um, rated very high around the world for a lot of reasons. And you'll have to watch it to find out. I mean, um, it's a Robin Hood aspect to it, but these guys are serious. Uh, the guy that made the plan is the whole plan, which is a very complicated plan. Especially as the seasons go on, I've watched all four seasons. Um, he's only known as the professor because that, that's his brilliance, and um, it's really worth taking a look at. Called Money Heist, a lot of fun, a lot of action, a lot of fun. I have to say, I've I've, I've made my way through Money Heist um, spot in spots a couple times, and the first season is a lot of buildup, and the second season it picks up third and fourth season particularly the fourth season is just insane (laughs) you know it is just insane um probably my favorite season um but money heist on netflix and my number one drum roll please my number one is on amazon prime line of duty oh you know line of duty British cop drama, and the British cop dramas are brilliant, every one of them, uh, well, most of them, particularly Marcella and Luther. But anyway, Line of Duty, Line of Duty talks about a, uh, it's a fictional unit in um, overseas that is called AC-12, which is Anti-Corruption Unit 12, and the story focuses on the unit and the cops they investigate so every season even though each season is tied together but every season they focus on a different police officer or police unit you know i could say uh season 1 with uh Lenny James from from the walking dead plays Morgan in walking dead he's the feature uh, at some point Thandie Newton shows up on one of the seasons and and she's the one under the gun and i'm telling you the writing and the dialogue, and I always hit on pacing. The pacing um, is all just so tight and so well done uh, that it it makes um, Line of Duty my top pick uh, to sit and binge. I'll tell you how much we liked it. We liked it so much, we watched all the seasons up to a point, and then we found out that the latest season is on a TV network a network that i never heard of called acorn. It's like five ninety nine a month. We signed up for acorn. So we wouldn't have to wait for it to come to Amazon prime. And, um, then you could sign up for like 30 days and then, or seven days and then cancel it. Right. And of course I forgot to cancel it. So, and of course next month I'll forget to cancel it. So that's just probably five ninety nine that I'm just going to have to kiss goodbye. Um, so that's one less, uh, one less cup of coffee. At Starbucks, which I don't go to, but you get my point. But anyway, all right, so let's review. What are we at? Number five, Home Before Dark. Number four, Defending Jacob. Number three, Bosch. Number two, Money Heist. And the number one binge series for me currently is Line of Duty on Amazon Prime. Check them out. Check them out. So I'm looking for something else to binge now. And I haven't found anything that I just can't live without. Uh, some things I started, and I don't want to bad mouth anything, but but I've been I've I've gotten recommendations from a couple of people on things. And they were just too cookie cutter for me. For me. One of them is, the uh, only one I'll name is because it was so cookie cutter to me. I'm not telling you not to watch it. If you want to watch it, you should. I encourage you to watch it. Make your own decision. It's called uh, White Lines. And I think it's on Netflix. I made it through one, maybe two episodes, maybe maybe one and a half. And it was just so cookie cutter, you know. White lines. You kind of know what it's about. And, you know, they got a crazy son that we have to we have to show how crazy he is by all the crazy things he's done, and you know, and the mother is. I don't know. It was just it was just a, a cookie cutter. You know another thing I couldn't make it through that everybody just loved I couldn't make it through what is it called Lion King. I couldn't make it. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. everybody tells me that oh, it gets better you know in the fourth fifth episode and but I just couldn't do it. It was like watching a Jerry Springer episode, which I don't mind watching a Jerry Springer episode, but um I just couldn't do it i just it just felt like I'd seen it. And they tell me there's a murder mystery or a disappearance mystery. And maybe one day, if it rains again for like six days in a row, I'll sit there and watch Lion King. But, man, just couldn't get through it, you know. So, anyway, I'm taking suggestions on what to binge, you know. Okay, I've rambled enough. Well, it's good to be back. Like I say, we're going to... um, Start going on Sundays. I think Sundays and Thursdays. I just made an executive decision while I'm sitting here. I think we'll do Sundays and Thursdays. Continue to listen to us. Please follow us on on social media. We're ramping up our Facebook page again. Of course, Twitter and Instagram are always active. And you can reach us wherever. I'm not going to drag you through the list. But you can reach us wherever you podcast. Uh, Whether that's... Well, I'm not going to drag you through the list. I just said that. But you podcast you can find us uh, particularly um, iTunes and Spotify and if you're down in the down in DR they listen to us on Player FM so give a shout for Player FM, FM don't forget to check out letterboxed.com, that's L-E-T-T-E-R B-O-X-D dot com no e, letterbox.com and look for us at Core Extra Podcast Alright, hey, thanks everybody for listening. Wash your hands, practice social distance, just use common sense, and uh, I think everything should work out okay. Alright, thanks for listening. Everybody enjoy. Be safe.